prescribed programming during pregnancy and it suited me well for that phase of life. But I think going back to being versatile, that's always been my goal. I don't like the idea of if I'm in the season of wanting to run longer miles, I don't like the idea that I might be underutilizing some muscle groups to maintain strength. And when I think about the purpose of being strong, my mind, it's for longevity and health and bone health and just resiliency. And if I'm going to push myself to run, you know, miles and miles and increase the volume, I need to be making sure that I'm not skimping on strength training too. Welcome back to the Thrive on Life podcast. We're CJ and Aaron Finley, lifelong best friends turned husband and wife that started a brand to inspire others to make the most out of the one life we all get to live. We are on a mission to help others in the pursuit of thriving in all areas of life through community, connection, and the sharing of knowledge. This series of the podcast with us as your hosts will feature unfiltered conversations on topics of life, marriage, parenthood, health, wellness, and what we consider the The art art of of thriving. thriving. Let's dive in. What's up, Thrive Fam? CJ and Aaron Finley here today. We're going to be talking about High Rocks and the upcoming mixed doubles event that we have on the radar in November. And we're just going to chat a little bit about how we got involved in High Rocks, how we've progressed at the sport, and then how we are planning to attack the mixed doubles in November. So I'll kick it off and throw it over to you. What got you into High Rocks? Because I think I've told my story enough times on here where it was something random and I got my ass kicked and I really enjoyed it. But from your perspective, what attracts you to it? Yeah, for me, I think it was April 2021. We went up to Dallas because you were racing. I think you were doing singles at that time. Just Yeah, Noah and I. Not pro, just regular open men's. You, Noah, did Joe do No, no Joe. Who else was? I feel like there were a couple others, maybe. Well, we went up to... One of the reasons I love High Rocks the most is like a community thing. So Chelsea and Joe came up to partake, I mean, to watch us, you did too. And the funny thing was Joe, when he first saw it, he was like, damn, I want to sign up right now. So he tried to sign up that day, but they wouldn't let him do that. Yeah. So uh, I remember going there and just, the thought never even crossed my mind, like even for a second, that this would be something I would ever attempt. Like I just, I was kind of just oblivious to it. I had no real interest in even thinking about it, uh, primarily because primarily because I didn't really know what it was until we got there. And even when I got there, I saw like the amount of strength required to do a lot of the exercises and, and workouts that are part of the race. And I just kind of wrote off in my mind that that was not something I would be able to accomplish in the short term or potentially ever because I don't train like that. And I remember at that race, well, one, it was really inspiring and motivating of an atmosphere and to see you and Noah so like fired up about it and how it made you feel after accomplishing it and feeling kind of defeated, but on a high at the same time, like that was a feeling that I kind of missed. And even though I hadn't done the race, I knew what you were feeling. 
And I remember at that particular Dallas race, we were able to see the elite racers and there is a wave of elite women. And I like clung on to who these elite women were that were racing. And I just remember being like, wow, I, I wonder if I could ever do that. Like not to be an elite, but to just put myself through the training to even show up in the arena like that. And I feel like that whole 48 hours, I was kind of going back and forth in my mind, like, yeah, one day, like maybe a couple of years from now, I'll start training like that or I'll attempt it. And I don't know what, how it even came about, but, oh, I think they announced they were doing an Austin race and it was only like a couple of months later, Yeah, right? when we did Dallas, they didn't have Austin, I don't think, pinned down yeah. yet. So we did the Dallas race, which was April, and yeah. then May was, I think, like right after Dallas, we come back and we were, you were talking about it or thinking about it. And then it came out that they were going to do an Austin yeah. race. And for context, my training style, pretty much my whole life. Well, I grew up as a dancer. I was a competitive dancer, like through high school. And then in college, I stopped at the level that I was prior to that, but I was still on a dance team. In college is when I started to run more recreationally. I started, did my first half marathon when I was a sophomore in college and then continued running ever since. And because of that dance background, I've always leaned more towards like Pilates, bar, um, low impact type workouts, like Legree, if you know what that is. And nothing really in the weight room. I'll just say that. Like I, I actually, I lied. I was a... Les Mills, if anybody knows what Les Mills is, it's a company that has group fitness classes. And I actually did go through the certification and training for that. And they had like a barbell class, but that was the extent of me doing any kind of like strength training. And that was years ago. And since kind of moving to Texas and everything, I think I dabbled in like some functional type training, but nothing to the extent of what would be required to in my mind, to be competitive at this High Rocks race. So fast forward, we find out that the race is coming to Austin. And at that point, it was still 2021, like not really a big race yet. Um, like a lot of people don't know what it is. And still, I think a lot of people don't know what it is. It's gotten more publicity. But I was, I guess I just convinced myself, maybe you convinced me to just go for it. I don't know. I signed up. I think I, I had think still it, been I think like, like thinking about it in my head. Like it's maybe I should just, and that was like the first example of trying to practice the idea of just take the leap and like learn, fail. The word I like for it is proximity bias. I think not only in fitness or health and wellness, whatever you're trying to get out of life the closer something is to you, the more likely you are to do it, even if there's like friction that you don't want to do it. So for instance... So you're saying like the, the location? Being yeah, because we literally lived down the street from this thing. It was like, screw it. I'm going to sign up for it and I'm going to do it. There's like no excuse why I should just not do this thing. Mm -hmm. It's way different than if like you have to get on a flight to go right. to your first high rocks. Like that's a lot more effort. Right. And for you... We had already done it. You enjoy it. You really enjoy 
the atmosphere of it as well, like the music and the vibes and everything going on. It feels like game day, which I love as well. And it's a great experience for the viewer as well because you take away that passion and that feeling with you on your day when you walk out of that arena. Because we live so close and because you had people around you already doing it, it was like a no-brainer to sign up. And that's why anybody listening to this, I highly recommend you surround yourself with people that they don't have to be doing high rocks, but things that you find interest in or would be challenging for you, go hang around groups of people that are already doing it and get a taste that way. So one of the things that happens here in Austin is like there's hybrid training groups where it's like running or fitness events that aren't sanctioned, meaning like at High Rocks we do like, I mean at Squatch we do High Rocks PFTs where we like get together and just like do it together. That happens everywhere across the United States. So find places where you can try the thing before you even want to like go try the thing. And that's what I love to dig into where, okay, you sign up for that first race, but really did you do anything to prepare yourself for that race? No. At that point, when I signed up, I had been running. I wasn't really training for any kind of race on the running side. And I was doing my usual just kind of willy-nilly functional, not really following any kind of structured, just doing what I felt like um, to maintain fitness. And so I signed up and felt like I had good endurance foundation for it. The strength part, though, I knew going in that I just probably was going to be in for a rude awakening. Well, so I, I get there and I do it. Well, I want to, before you, before you go through this, something that just came to mind. I would consider yourself and me to be one of the fittest people that we know in, in each person's category. Why do you say that? just based on general fitness level. Like if I asked you to go on a long run, you could do it. If I asked you to do a a hit workout, you could do it. If I asked you to do yoga, you could do it. If I asked you to do strength, you could pretty much do it at your level. And you're very versatile and so am I. That's always been my fitness goal. Like, But but here's the thing. We both don't follow programming, specific programming. Why is that? I get bored. Because I feel like everyone else has a prescribed program for whatever it is, and they like enjoy. Well, I did follow prescribed programming during pregnancy, and it suited me well for that phase of life. But I think going back to like being versatile, that's always been my goal. Like I, I don't like the idea of okay, if I'm in the season of like wanting to run longer miles, I don't like the idea that I might be underutilizing some muscle groups to maintain strength. And when I think about the purpose of being strong, my mind, it's for longevity and health and bone health and just resiliency. And so if I'm going to push myself to run, you know, miles and miles and increase the volume, I need to be making sure that I'm not skimping on strength training too. So for me to like follow programming, it's very rare to find something that is programmed for the person that wants to build endurance while also maintaining strength and is coming from a foundation of 
general awareness of their body, mind, muscle connection, fitness history. Would you consider Hyrox a versatility race? Yeah. I think the people that do well are people that have our mindset of wanting to have very strong, high endurance and train like you could. So that's why I wanted to go that way is because like you literally finished second in your first high rocks. The interesting thing (laughs) is though, but you were training, you You were training for it. You notice like if you, if you observe the race, the, the elites that do very well are either like marathoners or like just really strong and happen to have good endurance. Right. I think, if you are a runner or an endurance athlete and you want to do high rocks, there's less friction for you to pick up the strength part. And that's why I probably did okay. Then there is the other way around. If you're very strong, but you haven't worked on your endurance, high rocks is going to be really challenging. And that's for why you. I died. <laughs> and <laughs> that's the difference between me doing so badly in my first two and then you coming in second the first time you and did. And I think, I mean, it wasn't the strongest person out there. For sure, I wasn't. But my ability to throttle my heart rate and having that history of being able to maintain a high heart rate for a long period of time and recover super fast in between like sets and everything is I think what allowed me to do well. Um, and I think this time as we gear up for doubles, which I guess if you want to talk a little bit about what that means. Well, we got to go into, so you came in second and then you went to the U S championships and that's where the strength actually really hurt you. You weren't strong enough to pull the sled and that's what cost you. Yeah. So I didn't even realize, but like if you place in the top, I think it's three top three of your age group you qualify to go on to Hyrox's U.S. or your country championships. And we both ended up qualifying that day. We both came in second place in our age group. And we were like, why why wouldn't we go to the U.S. championships? Like, this seems cool. Like, what's the chances that we both placed and we both have the opportunity to do it? Like, we might as well try it. And I didn't realize until a couple... I don't know, maybe it was like a couple of weeks after I like agreed to compete in the championships that it meant I had to go up to the pro women level, which meant I was doing the same amount of weights for all the weighted drills as CJ did in his regular men's. So it was like almost, I don't know, I double, I forget like the differences, but essentially it was a huge step change for me to go from what I did and struggled with a little bit on the strength side for what I placed well in to this and championship the time. Like level. It was only a month later, so you didn't have yeah, enough time to Yeah, it was a month later, so strength. regardless, I would have never been able to put the kind of load on to be able to show up in a more prepared way. I could have done a little more preparation than I did, but... I think no matter what, I was just coming in way I mean, too weak. The only pre- the only preparation you could have done is more tactile preparation, and that's kind of like what we're doing going into mixed doubles. So that's where we can kick this conversation into that what gear. What we're doing, yeah. Where we're coming into a race that has the weights at my opens level, which at this point I'm absolutely crushing and doing really well at. And 
now you have the ability to trade off with me and you're going to push the pace on a lot of the, the running if I'm taking the burden on some of the fitness side. But that's where like, I don't think enough people think, this is why I love us, analytically enough that this race isn't just go out and blow your load on the minute that you start and just like go a hundred miles an hour. It's a lot more strategic. And that's one of the reasons that I love it so much is you don't want to just come out like a gangbuster and then crush yourself on the skier when then sled push is the next thing that you're doing. And you're not really going to even make up that much time on the skier. It's like being smart about training for a race in general and like having a race plan. I think even if you're a marathoner, Uh, and you want to do well in your marathon, seasoned runners are going to have a plan for that race day, and they're not going to go at their fastest pace in the first couple miles. They're going to have a certain amount of a plan for the first couple miles, then it's going to change a little bit midway through, then again and again and again. And I think high rocks can be approached in a similar way, where first – it's yeah, different because it's you have different, way different workouts. variation. It's different than, variation, than absolutely. And I actually think it would be interesting to compare running versus high rocks, like the challenges. But I will say the, okay. the strategy. Hold up, I gotta stop you. Like the the difference between running and a high rocks is like algebra and calculus. Like okay. running is literally one variable. All I was saying You're is running. that the way a marathoner has a race day strategy, we are approaching high rocks with a strategy. That's all I was saying. Uh, if we listen back, you're saying okay, that. Okay, I don't comparable. know why you're attacking me on this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, saying I'm just saying that we had to think about different. we had to think about the strategy. Like you, like you said, you don't start off super hot off the gate. You pace yourself, you know what your strengths are, you know what your weaknesses are. And if you're with a partner, then it adds another element in there of like, okay, which one of you should start each thing first? Which one of you might be the stronger runner? Let's go before that. It's where can I even make time up? That's what I mean. There's a difference between, a huge difference between running. Yeah, I was not trying to compare the two sports. Okay, I'm past that. (laughs) Past that now. I'm trying to help somebody out there that is preparing for this race. And most people aren't thinking like this. When you're on the ski erg, even if you do it at the world's fastest time of somebody that's done high rocks, the difference between the average person and that is like maybe 15 to 20 seconds. Yeah. But it's much easier to run faster and pick up time running than it would be to kill yourself on the erg and then you can't run again. Right. So you're better off taking the 10 second hit on the erg and then being able to run faster and pick up much more time. So in addition to the erg, what are the other workouts do you, that you think That's would what, be similar to that style of exactly. So exertion? When, I, when I'm thinking of the race, before you even get into who should start, who should go second, how fast should we run and things like that, you're looking at the race of what are our strengths and weaknesses and where do we give up time and where do we feel like we can take time? That's what I was saying. I think in addition to the erg, the row is similar. Like for me, if I try any harder than I already do on the row, like it's not going to move the needle much. So I should just kind of conserve some energy, do okay, and then run faster right after. 
And the tricky thing is about the even more tricky thing with high rocks is like I can crush sled push. If I really wanted to, I could absolutely have one of the fastest times in there. But it's not even my heart rate that creates a problem with that. If I push it just straight through, my let my quads start locking up a little bit. And then like when I'm trying to run again, it's way more difficult than if I go like 10 seconds slower on it and I make sure that my quads don't lock up. So even though Aaron was mentioning and I was mentioning skier and row and how that's a little bit of an area we're not trying to take time. I try to take time in the sled push, but even then I'm throttling myself a little bit so that when I get to the run, I can continue to run for you. What is your weakest event? For sure. Uh, sled pull. Why is that? Because I'm weak at it. I have a weak back, as you would say. Weak is a relative term. Okay. I don't train my back as much as I should to be able to pull in that way. I mean, first of all, it's very heavy weight. What is the weight that we have to pull? For me, it's Uh, very heavy. 175. Don't quote me on this. I haven't looked at them in okay, a while. Okay, I forget too. It's something really heavy. I think okay. the push is in the it's well like above 275 my body and the, the pole is 175 in mixed doubles. Yeah, I forget. But yeah, for me, I think it's weakness and lack of training back for me because I, like I said, like my training style has never really been traditional strength training or CrossFit or anything like that, that would build strength that's needed for this type of race. Uh, I think that the type of fitness that I was doing prior to even introducing myself to high rocks in general, the fitness industry favors your front. What's the fitness term for front? I'm blanking right now. Frontal. Yeah. Frontal plane. Um, I think that that's like hyped up in a lot of group exercise classes and it's very rare that you find adequate training protocols for your back. And so that's something that I've been actually focusing on a lot more since doing high rocks a couple of years ago is like, what do I need to do to actually start building the correct? Well, it, so technically front and back is frontal and then you have sagittal and then you have transverse and you bring up a great point though if i were to go to a class or if i were to look at traditional programming it's very rare i'm going backwards in any of it like you go to a fitness class they they rarely have you doing anything yeah, backwards that's my point. or working multiple so you're planes. still like frontal plane is still going backwards but we lack I don't I think for classes it's more of a space issue. It's like having people going backwards and doing that type of stuff. I don't mean walking backwards. I just mean utilizing your back muscles. Yes. That's rare for in a group fitness class. Just saying. Walking a sled backwards is going to help you on sled pull. Who does that though? Outside of you go to squatch and like people oh, are yeah, starting to knee, knees over toes, but nobody does that. Who is pulling sleds? Nobody. I mean, Us. our people, the bubble. <laughs> But the reality is when you go to these different classes, you're not really doing that. Maybe like in, you let, you mentioned Les Mills, like when I saw you do, what was a body pump? You did some type of like pulls, but they're so high volume and not 
enough weight to really put you into that exertion. I think that's really when I when I think of you having a week back because you said that is what I said about you. What what would be the right? It's you never do intense workouts in that plane. I would say. Correct. You do do very intense workouts in so many other areas, but prior to High Rocks, there was no intensity in the backwards realm of like, and by backwards, I mean deadlifts or anything that's going to help somebody move at the capacity where they could pull something backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, because like your legs are super strong. I think we just need to train them in that modality of pulling rather than your legs are strong going Push. forward and pushing, pushing yeah. and pushing off and having that great power from your legs in one direction. We just need to switch that on for the opposite direction, which I want to go into kind of like what we're doing. Okay, that's your weakness. We'll we'll talk about what we're doing there for yours, and then we'll talk about my weakness and what we're doing there for mine. The thing about the sled pull is in the beginning of a sled pull, you have a lot of slack. And even at the really heavy weight for pro, that's where I, I suffer the most in the sled pull as well, even though I would consider my back pretty strong for my size because the sled is so dang heavy that I can't rely on my weight to get the the sled off the line. So I'm competing against 200 pound guys, I'm 155 pounds. They're literally just using their weight to pull the slack and pull the sled off the line and until it gets tight enough where they can start using their strength to pull it. I don't have that advantage. So from the beginning, I'm exerting my muscles to try and pull the entire rope to get it moving and build some momentum. And by the time that the slack is shorter, I'm like catching my breath versus the other guys are starting to pull it even faster. And that's the same thing for Aaron. So when we go into this, I'm going to start on the sled where it has the longer slack and get it off the line because technically this weight is the lighter weight for me and I can get it off the line. And then as soon as you have a shorter slack, you can rely on your strength to pull it closer to you, Mm -hmm. which you'll be able to do. So it'll look more of like a two thirds, one third thing rather than 50, 50, split. And then coming out of that, what I've told her to do is like, I'm probably going to be hurting a little bit coming out of the sled. So I need you to not allow me or stand by me, allow me to go slow out of the, when we go back to running, like you need to be 10 feet ahead of me to just convince myself to just power through and keep going. And I'm looking forward to one testing this theory. I know it's going to suck, but I don't think anybody thinks about it like this. They're not even thinking think about, about the it, slack like, on it. You've done this whole race by yourself and you were able to keep running fast. So it's, if anything, like for you, it's not going to be a challenge. It's going to, it's help. always a it's challenge. Good. Well, it's going mean, to help want a podium. you. It'll help you that I'm doing a third or a quarter. Just a hundred percent. Just kidding. I mean, I think we'll be fine. I think on the sleds is if you, even if you do a quarter, I think we're going to be good. I'm, I'm pretty strong at those. Where we both suffer from the same thing. We're short and we don't have a long wingspan necessarily. So the, the row is going to be a struggle. Um, I wouldn't even consider that a weakness though because it's like we're average um, and it's not something that we focus on because we know no. we're not going to make up time. My other weakness is uh, wall balls. Yeah, and that's the beauty of this race is that's like one of my strengths. Um, I would consider my strengths a sled push, the farmer's carry and sandbag lunge and then the wall balls. And then the beauty is we're both really decent at burpees, but I think 
because we're short to the and we're low to the ground, that 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 really helps. Mm. But let's dig into what do you what would you say my biggest weakness is? I have to think about what all the exercises are. I wouldn't say it even has to do with one of the exercises. Yeah, maybe it's just like limiting beliefs when you're out there. And like, I notice that sometimes, like, don't take this the wrong way, but I won't. You're very, um, like, when you're preparing for a race or something, like, as I've seen, like, when you've done these high rocks races, you're all about it. You love the training. You're very in the zone when it comes to the preparation leading up to it. When it's race day, you're all on. And then sometimes I've, I've seen that when you're out there, you can let the physical defeat get the best of you. I mean, this is not a knock because that's any human being. Literally anyone who puts themselves through this kind of challenge, that happens to but I know that you have that gear to turn it off. And there are moments where I don't think that you. I would agree with you all the way up until the world championships. I would say I did turn it off in certain events, even the one that I came second on. I didn't turn that one on, I feel like, until I found out you were in second, you play second. And then I like really picked it up. The world championships I set out, I had a goal of beating 120. I got like 119, whatever. And I really thrived in that race. And I knew that I thrived because after the race, we were at the pool and I was fine. I would say that is the first time that I felt like I pushed the throttle. And then that that came into it with racing doubles with Alex because we've done well every race. Um, and this goes into what my weakness is, is power coming out of the exercise. That's the one thing that I lack because as soon as I get in gear, just like you mentioned, I have it. But it's like as soon as my gear slows down, that's when it's hard for me to get to rev the engine back up. Yeah. And I I think it has to do with training. I my programming if I were to train with people every day, I feel like that would change. So that's what I'm hoping with you is like if we train once or twice or three times a week together, like you saw me train last week with you, I didn't even take a sip of water because it's like, it's almost like two beta fish in the same tank. But I don't have that normally in my everyday training. So I allow myself to get distracted by my phone or slip up here and there. And I think that parlays over into the race unknowingly, like mm-hmm. in little moments. Do you think that, what is your feeling on like looking at your watch or pacing yourself from a timing perspective throughout a race. So I think this is the first, I think it's great if you do it and you know how to do it, that doesn't self-sabotage. And I haven't had a watch in any of the races and someone like me, I think that has hurt me because I don't typically self-sabotage based on the time. I look at the time. I'm like, I need to pick it up. That's the only thought I have in my head. I'm never like, Oh, like I'm going too slow. That's not Mm -hmm. my mentality because at the end of the day, like, I follow the any given Sunday. If you ever seen that football movie, you could do everything right, and on the day of, it, you just don't got it. Like that—that's yeah. just how life works. Yeah. Yeah. So when I see the time on the clock, it's more of a motivator than it is a 
self-sabotager. And I think going into this one, having our watches and being able to see like literally start and see where we're at is going to be a motivating factor to me. I also think just watching you because seeing you in the arena fires me up. I think it's going to be a different type of feeling for me where I think I'm going to be able to reach a new level mm-hmm. of competition. And that's where competition with myself, like in my own mind. We're just going silent here. <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking about? I feel like I fell asleep for a second. <laughs> Being a mom's tough. Training is hard. It is. Um, but yeah, I think that for this training round, um, for me coming out of postpartum, I feel pretty strong. I think it's going to be getting my endurance back. So that's what I've been focusing on a lot lately. I was on a podcast with Daniel Hickman who does these high rocks races. He does DECA. He has three little girls with his wife. They have a beautiful family and he, what are you laughing about? I keep going. <laughs> You're going to fall asleep on me here. I was just thinking about, I like couldn't talk for a second. Okay. Continue. He said that he puts his goals, he writes them down and then he puts them on sticky notes and he puts them on his garage door because when you have kids, you're constantly walking in and out doing whatever. So he always sees them. And it reminded me of something that we should do. I think that's the other thing during my Hyrax training that I've lacked. Other than the one, other than the Austin race where I did want a podium, I haven't really gone into a race being like, I want a podium because I call myself more of like the Hyrax dad. I just want people to do this race and I want to have a community and I want to focus on longevity. So I will not sacrifice my health. Right, of, I agree my body, my mind, my spirit, my businesses, the people around me to podium this certain thing. But I'd love to set a goal with you on how we want to show up that day and what we think we're capable of. And I want to do it live right here. Well, technically live with us and then when people hear it. Do you think it should be like a time goal or are you thinking more like yeah, I mean, it up at each Let's event? start there. Like what do you think would be what is a good goal for us to have and what's a stretch goal? Maybe a good goal would be like under, okay, what do we need to be competitive? Around an hour. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, but see, if this is the beauty of competition, if we said we're going to do around an hour, what do we have to do to make that happen? We have three and a half months. I have to get really strong. Or technically three months. Time really strong and really fast. Do you though? Or do you, like, do you have to get really strong or do you have to get a I little bit I, stronger in one area? No, I think I, I think the strength, again, I think it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning. I think that there, it would be more worthwhile for me to focus on throttling my heart rate and maintaining a high intensity endurance wise, like, like pushing like sprint paces, then it would be for me to like invest the same amount of time into just being able to do like a good sled pull. Yeah, I agree. So we started and we can wrap the episode here is just like what we're actually doing. So we talked a little bit about like the outline of the race 
our weaknesses and what we've thought about. How do you like make up time or take time or not give up time in certain areas? And now when we think about that and where we want to take time and where we want to make sure that we're not giving up time, I mentioned my weakness, which is like the power coming out of it. So last weekend we literally did a workout where you get on the treadmill and you run at a 640 mile pace and that'll certainly put you under an hour. If we run at that speed, that'll put us under an hour. So but essentially it's, it's like running at that pace after you've done a really hard workout. Yeah. So yeah. like I could run at that, that pace ta- longer I started there, without the workout. Use a treadmill instead of yeah. in the past. I haven't used a treadmill. I've just like did the exercise, ran down the street, but the treadmill forces you to run at a speed that is faster than what you would normally do probably. So what you're going to do is, and we did it like three minutes, three minutes. So some of the exercises don't even take us three minutes. Right. And that's where we did the extra, we did longer exercises and we made them strength based. And then you have to get back on the treadmill and you force yourself to run at that speed. And that's where I've never done that prior to a high rocks. So I'm excited to see how that works out. And I think that's really what we need to focus on is at least once a week doing that a workout like that. Style. We yeah. fucked up by not doing it this week. So we need to set a date and do it again. Um, yeah, I think that's what will get us to that. So, so let's say, goal? I think another way to look at it is like what I would not be happy with. I don't think I'll be happy if we run anything above a one Oh five. Well, what do you, what's going to happen to me if I make you get above a one Oh five? Why did you say what's going to happen to you? I don't, I don't work that way. It's like, how am I, how did I factor into that? It's going to be based on me. 100%. Because you just said it. Like one sled pull is not going to make or break us. It's going to be the whole race. And you're really good at all the rest. All right. You're pumping me up a little bit. I'm getting some confidence. Might have to work on those farmer's carries too because that's a little bit heavier of a weight. Everything's really heavy for me. Remember, I came in last. When not I did in this. farmer's carry. No, when I did this... <laughs> This weight class in the U.S. Championships, I was the last female to finish. Okay. Yeah, but you're discrediting. Don't doubt me now. You're discrediting yourself because one, you did a lot more strength training through pregnancy, and two, I get to like do half or two thirds of it for you. Right. That's the thing. You just got to help me out, and we'll be good. And then make sure you run fast. That's the key. So I think if you can keep that speed, I'm just going to kill myself to try and keep up with you. That's what I'm going to do. I think my focus is going to be. Just run fast. I'll carry us for the skier, the row, and the lunges and burpees. And you can do everything else. I think that's a good plan. Let's, I said we were going to wrap, but I want to wrap with why are we even doing this? I was going to ask you that too. You go first. We're on the same page. You go first. No. Why not? Because I want to hear you. And the world wants to hear more of you. For me, I think it's a couple of reasons. Going back to the beginning where I was talking about how I looked at this race, I felt the energy, and I thought to myself, one day it would be nice to try that. I think that we all have those one-day thoughts in a, lot of ri- in a lot of ways. Maybe it's like one day you want to move somewhere else. One day you want to start a different kind of career. One day you want to try to run a marathon. One day you want to try whatever we put it off in our mind as though like time is just going to be there. 
And I think you and I both know better than almost anyone how untrue it is that time is just going to be there. And we force ourselves to live each day as if tomorrow's not guaranteed. What decisions are we making so that when we look back on our lives, we are truly living up to the things that we think would make a life well lived. Now, this is a roundabout way of saying that when I had that thought that one day I course corrected and said, like, but why not now? Like, what is the worst case scenario? And that's okay. Like, I don't do well. And that to me was a lesson because then I started to do some like self-questioning of like, but why don't I sign up for things that I might not do well at? Like, I think we can, there's many people out there that can relate to that too. Like, I don't want to sign up for something where I don't feel prepared to like excel. And so your eyes very watery. Um, so I think that it's getting late in these bright lights. <laughs> I thought you were crying at what I was saying. <laughs> I was like honored. <laughs> okay, I cried a lot of but, what you say, but like it wasn't doing it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like it was that that I, I was putting it off for one. Two, I am too much the type of person that like wants to be super prepared to do well at something instead of just putting myself out there for things and maybe failing. And three, once I actually did this, the reason why I keep doing it is because I feel like it's a really sustainable way of staying fit. It's not, it doesn't crush you to train for these races. In fact, it's like a healthy way to train. You're keeping yourself strong and you're keeping your cardio in check. Um, so that's why I like it. It doesn't require a ton of preparation and planning and extra efforts. Um, it's not as intense as marathon training or some other kinds of training. Why do you want to do it with me? With you, I think because I don't know how we will be. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think (laughs) Like, it'll be interesting to be, like, your partner. It kind of reminds me of gym class back in the day. Um, Except you're way better now yeah. at gym class. You were god-awful. Thanks. <laughs> you didn't try. You didn't try. You didn't, we I would just go think, run on the track and you would just walk. Yeah, I think for, if you want my, like, deep answer, it's because I think that this is, like, another element to our partnership. I think when we want to see Aiden viewing the things that we do together. Like this is one of those values where like we encourage each other to like. That's the answer I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. Because that's what I, I was going to say. Be, he'll be inspired by us one day. Just like I would be inspired if my parents were doing this, especially together. That would be so awesome. But that would be my answer. So what's yours? I guess I'll do, you did a wonderful job of breaking down the the different parts of it to keep it succinct. The reason I started doing it was on a whim. The reason, and that's my nature. I will sign up. I'm kind of the opposite. I will sign up to do things just to have a new experience. I don't care how well I'm going to do at it. The reason I kept doing it was to your point, I realized really quickly it would make me a better human being all around. 
I liked how I felt. I liked how I looked. I liked the community around it. There's a lot I just liked about life. And I'm going to use Thomas Garensway's quote here that I, that he told me the other day about his life and photography. He said, I like who I am when I'm doing this. And I feel that way about high rocks. Like when and you're training or when you're actually in the race? It. Hmm. All of it. When I'm training, I know that I'm inspiring other people out there to do the same thing. They tell me. I have friends that have done it because I did it first. Now I have friends that do it with me. So that's a big motivating factor. And then, so I said why I started, why I keep doing it. I guess I'll answer where I want to go with it Mm -hmm. is a good way. I would... I would love to go to the world championships in like another country with you or one of our friends. I think that that would be a cool, just like you said, if you, if you earn that, you almost feel obligated to do it. And because you feel obligated to do it, it just like forces you to make it happen. And the world conspires around you to make that happen and have this new experience. And it would be really cool now that we have a son to like, yeah, either awesome. go wherever it is in the U.S. or go overseas and and invite another family member to help us out um, during that time and really compete as a family. Mm-hmm. And to the last point of kind of the holistic view of why is I want to be a role model. Like why do I want to do it with you is I want to be a role model family. And I think signing up to do hard things with your spouse is – one of the ways that you're going to be the most intimate. We all think of intimacy as you know what, but to me in our relationship, we've grown the most when things are hard and we see where we can pick each other up. And in a race, it's going to be just that where you're going to be better in some areas and I'm going to be better in some areas. And the key is to help each other get to this level where we're pushing and pulling each other in different moments. And I don't know exactly what those moments are, which is exciting to me because I'm always a curious person. And I'm really excited coming out of this race because I know we're going to have those answers. And I would love to sign up for a second race where we're going into it with the answers of, here's how we can really do well. Because now we know what it's like to be in the arena together. And I'm really looking forward to that Awesome. Me too. You sound so thrilled right there. I'm just tired right now. That's what happens at 8.53 on a Sunday. If you tuned into this, we love y'all. This is our new series with Aaron and I, and we're really going to start pushing the throttle, not just in High Rocks, but on these conversations. So if you have something that you feel that we should talk about or that you want to know or areas where we can be of value to you, please reach out and connect with us and let us know. Hit her up on Instagram or TikTok. Hit me up on Instagram or shoot me an email, cjfinley at thriveonlife.com and just tell me this is what you should talk about. I'd love to hear what's going on in your life as well. Are you training for a race? Are you doing something hard with your significant other? What are you signing up for? I challenge you to pick a date, sign up for that thing that you've been thinking about. Don't even think about the money or the travel or anything. Literally swipe the card, make it happen, and the world will conspire for you 
to bring that moment to life. And then you're going to look back on it and be thankful that you did it. Best thing that you can do for us is share this episode with somebody that you think it could be helpful for and give us that five-star rating and review. Till next time, this is CJ. This is Aaron. This is the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive On Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive On Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.